This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, presented by Tunnel Vision Sports, Jake Aiello guest stars as we talk about the MLB foreign substances as well as college World Series talk. We get into the NBA breaking news with the Kemba Walker trade as well as the news in Dallas surrounding the Dallas Mavericks. We get into our favorite sports video games of all time as we transition to this week in sports. We talk about the NBA players inactive and how the playoffs have been affected, as well as the matchups we are looking forward to from around the NBA, the College World Series, the MLB, and the NHL. Welcome back to another week and another episode of the Dylan and Dylan Show presented by Tunnel Vision Sports. I am Dylan Jesperson. With me as always, my co-host Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? You know, Dylan, I woke up feeling fantastic. And then I grabbed my phone, checked Instagram like always, and on my feed, I see eight years ago today, Ray Allen hit that shot against the Spurs to force game seven, and it made me feel really old. So I'm hoping (laughs) that the show today makes me feel better because I'm feeling really old. That does not seem like eight years ago, uh, but yeah, doing great. Except yeah, for that. That's wild. That's wild yeah. to think about that. That was eight years ago today. Uh, eight uh, years ago. Ray, Allen, Ray Allen's been retired for a while now. And it's tough to like, think about that. And whenever people say like Steph Curry is the greatest shooter of all time, Ray Allen still clicks in my head. Like how, how do you, uh, anyways, moving Craziness. on from that. <laughs> We have a great we have a great show lined up for you today, and we're also joined today by our colleague at TV Sports, Jake Aiello, here to talk some baseball with us. Jake, how are you doing today? So same as Dylan, I woke up today feeling good, checked my phone, checked Instagram as usual, and I saw the Kemba Walker trade. Uh, I'm a Celtics fan, even though I'm from New Jersey. I loved Ray Allen when I was younger, so I've been a Celtics fan since then. And yeah, like I said, I saw that trade and kind of made my day go downhill a little bit. Not a big Al Horford kind of guy, but Moses Brown is pretty good. But other than that, I'm doing great. Awesome stuff. Good preview for what we've got going on later in the day. Uh, reminder to follow us, uh, follow TV Sports on Spotify. That way you never miss an episode. Uh, also wanted to remind everyone and or let everyone know, we have a new podcast coming out from our great colleagues, Christian, Alex, and Luke are having their new show, Great Takes from the Great Lakes, uh, coming out on Monday, June 6th. Whenever that is, it's coming out on Monday. So stay tuned for that. Follow us on Spotify. You'll uh, get that uploaded as well. Uh, for us, this week, we brought on Jake to give us a fresh take so our listeners can get a fresh take on the MLB news regarding the crackdown on foreign substances. Last week, Dylan and I gave our takes on the news as it was officially announced. And then this week, the extra enforcement went into effect. Uh, no ejections, no suspensions yet, but uh, we are hearing concerns from the pitchers all over the place. And uh, just first off, uh, Jake, give me your take on the MLB's decision and uh, their decision to crack down on foreign substances. So, like, a main problem with the foreign substance argument is that the MLB in the beginning of the year said that they were doing this initiative to get rid of foreign substances 
but they made it a, a claim that they were not going to suspend people this year. So them coming out really aggressive and coming out really hard saying they are going to crack down with the 10 game unpaid suspensions is like bad news to pitchers and fans because as you, as I'll say later, Trevor Bauer is kind of questioning the integrity of the MLB um, because the MLB is claiming that they're doing this for integrity, but he's saying that they don't have integrity in the first place. Um, and just, I think everyone around the league, not even just pitchers is against this foreign substance policy. Um, but yeah, as we'll, as we'll see, uh, Tyler Glass now had a very uh, staunch stance on this uh, foreign policy, foreign um, substance policy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see all the uh, guys around the league, whether it be players or coaches, managers, whoever it might be, how strong of an opinion they all have about it. Because like we, we saw Tyler Glass now earlier this week, come out and he was very passionate about what he had to say. Garrett Cole of the Yankees has been very passionate. Um, we talked about it last week, me and Dylan, about Mike Schilt, the manager of the Cardinals. And this was back in late May, I believe, when um, uh, Giovanni Gallegos was uh, kind of caught by Joe West for using sunscreen in a game. All of these players, coaches, managers, they have a very, very, very strong, um, strong opinion and they're passionate about this uh, subject. And I, it kind of seems like the fan base is the same way and it kind of goes one way or the other. And uh, I, I said last week, I'm very much on the fence. I, I can see either way uh, the argument can go uh, for this. Yeah. And like we said last week, uh, I'm in the same boat. Most of the, most of the way uh, I've given it more thought as the week is weeks have gone on and uh I think all of us can agree that the pitchers that are using foreign substances to increase their spin rate are definitely breaking the rules. And there needs to be some sort of crackdown on that. If we're going to crack down on batters getting advantages, then we need to crack down on pitchers getting advantages in that way. Uh, But you brought up Trevor Bauer and Trevor Bauer has been one of the most outspoken about this Uh, outspoken for years prior. And then outspoken this year because of the way they've handled it. And I think the biggest problem with the way, and Jake said it, is the way that they've handled this situation is uh, it sounded like they were going to use this year to kind of gain the, the knowledge that they could get and then address it in the offseason. Uh, and then they kind of did a full 180 and said, no, we're actually going to crack down on this. We're going to start punishing pitchers. And that switch uh, that quickly made for pitchers to be in kind of a a no man's land where you're going from something you've done your whole career to get a grip, a better grip on the baseball to nothing. And that results in what we've seen and what we're going to get into now, the Tyler glass now situation where he having a great season for the Tampa Bay Rays, one of the best pitchers in the American league uh, comes out of his start and maybe done for the year with a, with a serious arm injury. And he says, after the game, I have the exact quote, uh, it was, I'm telling you, I believe that's why I got hurt. Uh, talking about he had to change his grip uh, on the baseball because he didn't have that extra sticky stuff on his hand to, uh, it made him force the baseball deeper into his hand that activated different muscles. And that ended up possibly being a reason why he got injured. Uh, Jake, I wanted to get your take. Did you, do you think there's any, uh, any credence to then what you think baseball should do if that's a, if that's the case if Tyler Glassnow really got hurt in this situation? Yeah, so just for background, he exited the game on Monday in the fourth inning with right elbow inflammation and like you said, a very scary injury. Um, in particular, he suffered a partially torn UCL and anything in the elbow is 
kind of scary for a pitcher, but um, I heard that Tommy John surgery was mentioned and, you know, that's like the evil word um, for any baseball player, especially pitchers. Um, and to further your quote about how he said that that was the cause of his injury, the foreign substance policy, the quote I have is, quote, I 100% believe that contributed to me getting hurt, end quote. Um, and as you said, it's a thing with the grip. He has to change his grip because he has no substance and you're losing um, so much pounds of force on grip if you can't, you know, get that slight edge. And it doesn't even, the main problem with the MLB is they're attacking spider tack, which is a very sticky substance. And I agree with you guys, that should be punished. But a lot of pitchers um, are using tar and just simple sunscreen and now they're attacking um, this mixture of um, substances, and it's not even as influential as, like I said, spider tack. And um, just that change in grip that you mentioned, you have to hold the ball a lot tighter, and like you said, he moved it deeper into his palm. You're changing the entire way you're gripping a baseball. You're changing the muscle group. You're putting more strain on your tendons, and these pitchers have been doing the same thing for 15 to 20 years, so they have to completely learn a new throwing motion, a new grip in the middle of an MLB season. It's difficult for pitchers to institute new changes in the offseason, let alone in the middle of a MLB 162 game regular season. Um, so that's just something that I think the MLB did poorly. Um, and you mentioned Trevor Bauer. He was quoted as saying they knowingly swept this under the rug for four years. Now they implement this knee-jerk reaction to shift public perception. Um, and that's where the integrity thing comes in. The MLB knew this. Same thing with steroids. The MLB had inklings about steroids. The MLB had inklings about um, these foreign substances. But now, with all the cheating scandals with the Astros, the MLB has a bad rap. So now they're trying to shift this public perception, acting like we didn't know. We didn't know that there was this illegal substance use in the MLB. And it kind of has the players and coaches, as you mentioned, on edge. It's kind of the league versus... It's always been the league versus the players, as you see, when they tried to come to this agreement last year. They are not on the same page, and I think this just makes that shift, that uh, that chasm um, between the players and the uh, MLB just even much more larger. Yeah, uh, I think it's wild that I guess the controversy we've seen in the MLB just in the last five years, you could even say just this year with all the things that have happened, um, and just it's it's kind of like the old guard versus the new. And we've kind of harped on this since we've been doing the show the last few months of what in the world is the MLB thinking? Like they you have all these young players that are so exciting and even the guys that have been established, they're the game's one going one way, and the MLB's like, nah, I don't think so. We're we're gonna go back, we're gonna reel it back in. And it's so frustrating. And to see a guy like Trevor Bauer who I wasn't a huge fan of him, probably because he played for the Reds. <laughs> that kind of uh, pointed me away from it. But <laughs> him going, I think it was on the Dodgers pregame the other night, and he's talking to their analyst. And there's a video out there, and I'm going to do my best to describe it. But um, they asked Trevor, they're like, Trevor, what do you think about the situation? Like, what should be done? And he just holds his hand up, and the ball's just stuck to the bottom of his hand. And he's like, should this be outlawed? And that, most of the time, that's when the video cuts off, and it goes on. It explains how that's not spider tech. That's that's just uh, the rosin and sweat combined, and it makes it that sticky. And that I don't think that should be illegal. That's that's what they give you. Sweat's natural as could be. Um, I I just think. And then he went on to say, it's like the situation they're in is like sending an alien out to traffic with no radar gun and telling them decide who's speeding. 
That's kind of the situation the MLB's in. And I love that analogy you gave because it's true. Um, I Them deciding to attack this in the middle of the season just seems insane to me. They, they've got a good season going right now. And it's been really exciting to watch. I, I really hope they don't mess it up. And I really hope they don't get more players hurt. And I hope this didn't hurt Glass now because that would be terrible. He's such a good pitcher. He's really, really good on that Rays team that's been surprisingly good. I, it shouldn't be surprisingly good. They just went to the World Series, but kind of surprisingly good. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, uh, and like you said, and like Trevor Bauer was saying, uh, we're all relating back to what Trevor Bauer was saying because I think he's looked so much into this and he's so knowledgeable about the topic. But, uh, you know, me and Dylan talked earlier in the year whether robot umpires were something we really needed to look into. And both of us were in the situation where, you know, we're, we're baseball purists at our hearts, but we think anything that makes the game better is is the direction that it needs to go. Uh, now we're not even talking about umpires doing something they've done their entire lives, which is call balls and strikes, make out calls, safe calls. We're talking about enforcing a rule that they've never had to enforce and doing it in the middle of the season with no training whatsoever. And, and you, you brought up the Trevor Bauer video. I I mean, I, I, I'm not an umpire, but I think I would, if I saw someone sticking the baseball to their hand, I think it would, it would trigger that foreign substance thought in my brain especially with all the talk around it right now and that's the situation we're in we're in a a tough spot where I don't think the players trust that even if it does get enforced that it's going to be truly enforced for the right reasons so um, yeah I think it was a poor decision to enforce it now go ahead and do it now but uh, I think in the offseason like we said they need to make some big changes and I I think one thing they're really going to look into is can we find a universal substance that we can give to our pitchers that allows them to grip the ball the way that they've uh, done their entire careers while not giving them the advantage that some hitters think they've gotten. And if they can do that, then I think that's going to be the the middle ground that they hopefully they can find and get rid of the distraction that we all can agree that baseball doesn't need. Uh, switching gears now to college baseball as the College World Series is underway on Saturday. A lot of fun storylines to watch moving forward as the next national champion of baseball is crowned. Uh, Jake, just broadly, what are your thoughts as the College World Series gets underway this weekend? So I think a lot of teams, as in college, a lot of teams have a lot of deep lineups, a lot of good hitters. A lot of teams have multiple hitters with over with over 10 home runs. A lot of people um, – batting over 300, some people batting over 400. We have the usual teams that you would expect. Um, maybe not as much Stanford, but Vanderbilt, Arizona, um, Tennessee, of course, one of the best teams in the country. A lot of teams with just a lot of players that got these accolades, all SEC, all American. Uh, but then you also have the unranked teams, Virginia, um, and, you know, NC State. So it's a, it's a pretty broad pool this year. Um, I'm excited to see these bats continue to fly, but I'm also excited to see Vanderbilt. They're my for, they're my pick to win it. You like to see Vanderbilt with uh, Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. Their pitching is just ahead miles ahead of everyone else. Their ERAs are probably the lowest in the in college in the uh, NCAA Division One, and they're on the same team. So I'm just excited to see how these unranked teams do versus these top dogs. But I do think that Vanderbilt's going to come out on top. I don't love that, Jake, I'll be honest. I, um, but before I tell you why, I got to tell a little story. I love baseball. And if you've been listening to this show at all in the last few months, you can tell that. I've always loved baseball. 
huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. Um, and I've always loved watching the College World Series, but I've never really had a dog in the fight because I'm a Murray State boy through and through growing up in the Murray, Kentucky area. Murray's never really had a shot being an OBC school. Thought maybe this year uh, we could maybe have a shot, uh, but we fell short in the OBC tournament. And then being a Tennessee fan, we've had a few glimpses. Uh, in 05, we made it to the College World Series. But, I mean, since then, it's been rough out in Knoxville. But then finally this year, they got things turning um, over there. And, I mean, they have a really, really good team. Uh, basically, like, one of the top two teams all season. Uh, but the number one team was Arkansas. and NC State pulled out one of their miraculous victories like they seem to do every 20 years or so. Um, and they got Arkansas out of here. Uh, so I'm I am very excited heading into this weekend because my Tennessee volunteers are there. I uh, get to play one of those unranked teams of Virginia, which is exciting for me. Hopefully we can just go in as Goliath and just keep uh, keep turning. Uh, I wrote down three real contenders in my eyes. I've got Texas, Bandy, and Tennessee. And obviously my pick's going to be Tennessee. I, I can't pick against them. That would just be uh, blasphemous. Uh, Got to pick Tennessee. It's just – it's like a storybook story. Storybook story. Storybook tale. Um, they're, they're just so much fun. Evan Russell has – if you don't know about Evan Russell, you got to look him up. He's amazing. Uh, he's so good. He's charismatic as can be. He, uh, he gave an interview the other night, and he said, everyone hates Tennessee's fan base, and Tennessee's fan base deserves that. We're not very good at, very, at literally anything, but we think we're Alabama in most things. And Evan Russell goes out there, he said, everybody hates our fan base. That's fine. We want to be villains. We want everybody to hate us. I, I wouldn't normally like that mentality, but since they're so good, it's kind of awesome. And I really like it. Um, I think they're going to bring that mentality into Omaha, and they're going to they're gonna go on a run and uh, hopefully bring a national championship back to Knoxville. But knowing Tennessee, it could very, very likely end in heartbreak, but that's okay. And there's, there's other good teams there, like you said, Vandy. That would hurt seeing a rival come away with it, but they – Rocker and Lighter are really, really good. And if they get going, that, it could be dangerous for the other teams in, uh, in Omaha. And then Texas, Texas is sneaky. I feel like no one's talking about Texas. But they're, they're real, real contenders. And uh, that might be the team that everybody's talking about, Vandy and Tennessee, the two SEC squads. But Texas might come out of nowhere and shock everybody. Shouldn't really be a shock because they're a top four seed. But that's my two cents. Yeah, I, I see both of your guys' sides of it. Uh... From Dylan's side of point of view, uh, I was the same way. I loved college baseball growing up, loved all types of baseball growing up, uh, but never really had a dog in the fight. Then in 2019, my Michigan Wolverines made it all the way to the final series, ended up falling to Vanderbilt. But it, it adds a different edge to the College World Series that I don't think you, you understand until you actually get that, that series when you actually get in there and you're actually rooting for your team. Uh, so I, I completely understand your point of view on that side. Uh, I'm also really excited to see this Vanderbilt team and especially excited for this Vanderbilt Arizona matchup, because as you guys said, the pitching for Vanderbilt is great. They have the best team ERA left in the, in the college world series, but that's Arizona team. I covered them in their last, uh, super regional game. They can hit the ball. They have the best team average coming into the college world series, uh, like sixth in the country. Uh, and they have power hitters, smart hitters and play really solid baseball up and down their lineup. Uh, so I'm really excited to see that lineup of hitters go up against that Vandy staff, whether it be lighter or rocker, I, I would assume rocker, but e either way, uh, you can't really go wrong on that Vandy side. Uh, 
for pitching wise. So I'm really excited. That's the that's the matchup, and we get that tomorrow. That'll that'll be tomorrow, and I'm really excited to watch that matchup. Um, and it's tough. I like Tennessee and Vanderbilt. I I think if I had to pick, I think the the winner will come out of the state of Tennessee, which is pretty easy to say since there's two teams from the state of Tennessee. But I think one of those teams will end up being the one, whether it's uh, whether it's Tennessee or Vanderbilt. I, I can't stay right now. I want to see what Vanderbilt will end up doing against Arizona because that's going to be a really good matchup. Uh, any final thoughts on the College World Series, guys, before we uh, switch gears? I actually have some interesting information. So Jack Leiter, I play baseball. I used to, but I was at a baseball tournament actually, and Jack Leiter was there pitching and we were on the field next and he was pitching. We were about 13 and he was throwing cheese. Like he went to high school near me, Del Barton. They're the best high school baseball team, like in the area. I think they won like best high school sports as in general, like all their sports one year when he was a senior He's lights out. He was lights out in high school. He's lights out in college. He's going to be lights out in the MLB. He's projected to go, I think, what is it, four to the Red Sox? He's um, he's a beast, so I got to see him play. And then also, um, I'm sure you guys are aware of Kyle Teal. Do you know who that is? Yeah. yeah Kyle Teal was on my high school baseball team. Okay. Um, hold on. I played with him. I was a senior. He was a sophomore. And – just one note I made about him when he played was, you know, you take BP before the game um, and then you have your infield getting feeling the balls that you're hitting from uh, in the cage. He hit the ball at least 20 miles per hour faster than anyone else on my team. Like, Holy cow. Yeah. He was a, he's a right-hander throws right-handed, but he hits left-handed, which is like godsend in baseball. Mm-hmm. His, dad a, his dad was a professional baseball player. His stepdad was a collegiate baseball player. He went four for six against Jacksonville, two for four against um, South Carolina, and three for ten in the series against Old Dominion. Um, but yeah, he hit that grand slam, and like he was built for that. Like just seeing him play, sophomore year he hit three home runs, which is not a lot, but in high school as a sophomore, he crushed the ball. Um, he was built for this. Like I've seen him play, he loves it. He he wants to just destroy the baseball every time he swings the bat, um, and he's a true. He's only going to get better, and I'm just excited to see him play. I'm going to try to uh, interview him for maybe a later feature story on him. Um, so you might be seeing that on tvsportsmag.com. But, yeah, I just wanted to add that, my personal experience to the College World Series. So it feels like I'm still involved in baseball. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. That's an awesome story. We'll definitely keep our eyes on Virginia as they move forward and uh, keep an eye out for that story. Definitely keep an eye out for that. And anything that Jake uh, publishes on TV Sports Maggie does great stuff, uh, great work there. Uh, thank you so much, Jake, for dropping by and joining in our discussion today. It was a pleasure having you today, man. Thank you for having me. Um, I hope to be on here again and just have a great show and a great weekend, guys. Absolutely. Thanks, thank you. Thanks Jake. All right, let's switch gears into a massive week in the NBA involving breaking news, some stuff happening recently. Well, some announcements happened earlier in the week, but we just can't ignore it. Uh, That's just the way we are. So we're going to work backwards chronologically. We recently talked about the Boston Celtics and the direction they were heading as Danny Aiden stepped down. Brad Stevens moved up to the president of basketball operations. Now we get to see and analyze the first move that Brad Stevens has made as he is trading Kemba Walker, former All-Star, 
16th, the 16th pick in this year's draft, as well as the uh, 2025 second round pick to OKC in exchange for former All-Star Al Horford, uh, Moses Brown, a young 21 year old in a 2023 second round pick. Uh, the Kemba Walker era is over in Boston. And as Jake said, as he got on I, as a Celtics fan, I don't know if you can be that excited about this uh, trade. Uh, Dylan, what were your thoughts and your reactions to the trade as you saw it? So I'll try to give Jake some optimism with this trade. Um, and also the second round pick is going to Boston. So Sam Presti gave up a pick, a second rounder, but he's got plenty. Don't worry, OKC. Um, I like this trade from Boston, honestly, because I it's, it's tough because I, I was down the middle when I first read it. But the more I think about it, I mean, you are giving up a first round pick, but you get that big contract from Kimba off the books. You bring up, you bring on the big contract with Al Horford, so it's kind of, um, kind of going level. But you also get Moses Brown, who I think has a ton of potential. And I, I saw this earlier. Of course, I can't. Find, there it is. We this was against the Celtics this year for Moses Brown. Moses Brown scored. Um, scored 21 points 20 and grabbed 23 rebounds in 33 minutes against the Boston Celtics earlier this season. I think Brad Stevens or Danny Ainge, I know Danny Ainge is out now, but I'd say Brad's still talking to him quite a bit. I bet they saw that performance and like, you know what? We could probably use a big man like that in Boston. And they, they lose Kimba, but they can be optimistic about that. They lose his 16th pick, but, and I know Danny Ainge has been making the picks for a while, their mid first round picks the last few years haven't been great and they haven't been really panning out. So, I mean, if you're a Celtics fan, you can't really lose sleep over that. And you got to imagine as the summer goes on, Boston's going to be involved in every trade talk under the moon. And you got to imagine Al Horford's going to be the center of that for the Celtics. Cause I can't imagine they weren't thrilled about bringing in the big contract that he, he bestowed. Uh, so yeah, I, I imagine they're not done. Um, and Kimba's going to have a chance after having a rough stretch in Boston this year to go to OKC, get to mentor Shea Gilgis-Alexander. That's going to be a really fun dynamic and uh, try to rejuvenate his career out in OKC, which a lot of guys have done, so you never know. It'll be fun. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be honest. I think this is the first time me and you have ever disagreed on anything to like the to this extent because I, I'm, in my opinion – on this side, where I'm looking at it, so they had Kyrie, and Al Horford was on that team with Kyrie, and obviously the Kyrie situation didn't work out. He didn't want to be in Boston anymore, but that turned into Kemba Walker, and you were like, okay, and you know, he's not Kyrie, but he's still a top-of-the-line guard when he's healthy. He had a great 2019-2020 season uh, in Boston. And now all of a sudden you're just turning that into a 35-year-old Al Horford. A few years down the road and definitely not an all-star anymore. I know he, and one of the things I said is, you know, he's 35 and his game isn't as explosive. So he has the ability to play deep into his career. He could play until he's 40 years old, just because he's so he's smart and methodical in the way he plays. So you're not really worried about that, but when you're just exchanging big contracts and you're getting a 35 year old Al Horford in exchange, I, I like Moses Brown. And I do think Moses Brown is a good, uh, prospect to be looking forward to but uh i i i think you could get that at 16 this year i I think you could get something similar at 16 and hold on to that pick 
and still hold on to Kemba Walker, who could be a star. Uh, I think Kemba has a bigger star potential at this point in his career than Al Horford does. So I know if you're looking at it in terms of they're going to move Al Horford, then yeah, probably it is a good deal because the Celtics aren't in a position to win now at this point, but at the same time, it's, well, how many people are going to want to pick up an Al Horford at 35 years old with that big of a contract? I think Kemba was a bigger, was a, you could get bigger with Kemba than you could with Al Horford. So I just don't, I, I don't think Celtics fans are going to be very happy, especially when Al Horford comes out and he's just giving you, you know, 15 points, 10 boards a night. And you're like, Oh, I, I mean, we could have Kemba here. I, this I, it's tough. It, and, and that, and you never know what that 16th pick is going to become. I I know as a Pistons fan, I, I get the fact that when you've failed in so many drafts, you almost don't even want the pick just so you can't mess it up and you want to have someone that's already proven. At the same time, you have no idea what 16 is going to become. Donovan Mitchell was drafted, what, 14th overall? So it, it, it's tough for me to ever give up those, like, close to lottery picks. And I, I just – and if you're going Kemba for Al Horford, I, I, I can't see it. I don't think Celtic fans are going to be very happy about that move. I think, and I, I totally can see that. I think this move is going to be judged by what happens next. Because I can't believe that they're done with just this. This is all they're doing. And if that's it, yeah. If you're a Boston fan, I'm so Jake, buddy. I'm sorry. You, you should have just stayed in bed today. That's tough. Um, but I mean, with with how the NBA works now, it's like half the players in the league are on the hypothetical trade block, and the, the thing that came to my mind, because I was like, I got to defend my point here. Um, Boston has a head coaching opening, and now they have a point guard opening. Their, Terry Stotts is no longer the head coach in Portland. Slide him in. Terry Stotts has been the head coach of an amazing point guard for almost the past decade in Damian Lillard. You get Damian Lillard to that court in Boston, oh, my goodness. Then that this trade is unbelievable. Portland can have Al Horford, and I think Boston would be jumping with joy, and Portland goes into a rebuild, which has been rumored by some folks. Um, but, yeah, I and I who knows if that'll happen. Dame to Boston would be really cool. But um, I, I just think there's there's more to come with this. I, I'd be I'd be hard-pressed to believe that this is, this is over with Boston. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the Damian Lillard trade because when I, I woke up and I saw your text that the, the, the trade had happened, and I went to Twitter just to see, like, the initial reactions. I was trying to find Celtics fans' reactions. And the first thing that came up, still the top tweet when I typed in Kemba trade, was a tweet from last night that was a hypothetical trade with Kemba and a bunch of draft picks for Damian Lillard. And it was like, Celtics fans, how do you feel? Like so and I I think that just is basically what my point is. Kemba is a bigger draw than Al Horford. And if you were going to go after that route, I think you just keep Kemba and try to figure out a trade that route that way. But we will see. I I think we both agree if this is where they're at, if they're stopping with Al Horford, then not a great trade, but we'll see what happens in the future. Can't imagine that this will be the the roster that we see for the Celtics as it starts up in 2021. 
All right, continuing backwards as the Mavericks made big news earlier this week. Longtime head coach Rick Carlisle steps down uh, 13 years in Dallas, and everyone thought he was going to come back because Mark Cuban said he was going to come back. He wasn't going anywhere. Then Carlisle takes it upon himself, steps down. So the Mavericks are in the head coaching uh, search as well. Dylan, what are your thoughts on the Mavericks situation as they move forward uh, with their head coach search? Things got real weird in Dallas this week. After, after they lost to that Clippers team in round one, uh, I think everybody freaked out, and I don't really know why. I, I, I might be in the minority here, but I didn't think the Mavericks were in this win now. We're, we're in our championship period right now. Luka Doncic is like 17 years old or whatever. He's super young. He, is he, I don't even know that he's 20 yet. I mean, Luka Doncic is super young for the NBA, and he's already a bona fide superstar, like top 10 player in the league. Might be top five. I, the guy's incredible, and uh, they went and got rid of Donnie Nelson earlier this week, and then the very next day, Rick Carlisle stepped down. And it kind of feels like um, the the meme of SpongeBob running around his own head with everything on fire and everybody's freaking out. That's almost how it feels in Dallas right now, and I don't really know why. I, it feels like they got a good thing going, and it feels like a place superstars would want to go, team up with Luca, team up with Kristaps, and they, they had a very good system with Carlisle. And I, it, you got to imagine any head coach that's on the market is going to want to go coach Luca. Um, and then Rick Carlisle, he's going to have no problem going somewhere and getting a head coaching job. He, I, you have to imagine he'll jump to the top of uh, the list for Boston because Boston's going to be one of the top places as well for uh, coaches uh, to be looking at. Uh, I, I think, I just think it's puzzling what's happening in Dallas, honestly, like, cause, it just seems like they have such a good thing going. Uh, what were your thoughts when you saw the Carlisle news and everything else out of Dallas? Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I think this maybe is a move more to – when fans – I feel fans of a franchise can get very sick of the same guy for a long time. So if you're the, the same head coach for 13 years as Rick Carlisle was and you haven't won anything since – uh, what was it, 2011 when Dirk and the Mavericks beat the the Heat. Uh, so obviously you have that success, but when you're not getting that success and you keep coming back and you're losing in the same round of the playoffs every year, uh, I think that weighs on a fan base. Uh, and I can understand that. I, the Pistons were in a similar situation with Flip, Flip Saunders was here. We made like, I don't know, eight Eastern Conference champions championships in a row without making the NBA Finals and – it ends up being, uh, and I think this is going to happen to the Mavericks. It ends up being a you don't know what you got till it's gone type of situation where you're you might come back next year with a with a head coach that maybe isn't as experienced uh, in the playoffs. Maybe down the regular season they don't play something right and they don't get the right seating and they get a bad matchup in the first round and stuff like that. Where Rick Carlisle has just been. St- He's been in your system. He does what he's going to do and just needs the roster to do it. Uh, you're going to miss that. You're going to miss the, just the stability that Rick Carlisle gives. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, he stepped down, but then also said, uh, this is the quote, Dallas will always be my home, but I'm also excited about the next chapter of my coaching career. So he's not done being a head coach. So uh, this seems to be just, He's ready to move on from Dallas, uh, and 
I'm interested to see where he goes. I, I think he might take a look at the college ranks, maybe see if he maybe gets something with more control over his situation. I think maybe that's part of it that he wants to have a little bit more control over the, the players and the, the staff. Uh, but I, I think he will be a, he can get a professional gig as well. I think we'll see either way what happens there, but definitely interesting to see and, going to have to keep your eye on what they what they're looking for in their head coach their next head coach because I I just don't know who's on the market that would be better than Rick Carlisle at this point yeah it's hard to get picky with a guy that brought you your only championship in franchise history and he's a guy that coached probably the best and second best player in your franchise history and it might be a little early to call Luca their second best player in franchise history but he's certainly on that trajectory I mean he just looks special and especially in a coaching market where there are so many openings. I mean, Dallas is open. Orlando, Boston, New Orleans, Washington, Indiana, and Portland are all looking for head coaches. That's tough. I mean, and those are some really, really fun rosters like Dallas with Luka. Orlando, they weren't very good because they chose to tank. They've got some interesting pieces down there with Markel, Cole Anthony, Mobamba, Wendell, uh, Carter, and Jonathan Isaac. New Orleans they automatically jump to one of the top spots with Zion. Washington, that's a playoff team ready-made with Brad Beal and Russell Westbrook. Indiana is interesting, to say the least, because they've got a lot of pieces. They, they've struggled to kind of put it all together, and I, I, that's one of those teams that might make a sneaky hire of like a Terry Stotts or Rick Carlisle, and they could end up being really good because they've got pieces. And then Portland, with whatever they choose to do, because they could go in a lot of different directions, um, all these coaching moves will be really, really interesting. A name that I that's not one of these former coaches that I'm going to keep an eye on is Becky Hammond. I, I'm curious to see uh, if she gets one of these jobs and gets a chance to take over one of these franchises. I think it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Yeah, and I, I've heard that name rumored around the Celtics job. Uh, at least I, I would hope that Becky Hammond gets an interview with uh, a lot of the if, – if she comes out of this uh, head coaching cycle without an interview, then there, there was a problem with the NBA hiring process this time around because she definitely deserves at least an interview. All right, so wrapping up the basketball topic uh, earlier in the week, LaMelo Ball was announced as the winner of this year's Rookie of the Year Award. Uh, we covered that topic way back in one of our first uh, shows together and uh, have to come clean. We're both, we were both wrong because we both thought Anthony Edwards was the, had locked it up at that point. Uh, but the younger Brawl brother will take home the trophy. Uh, Well-deserved in your eyes, Dylan, or what did you think about the Rookie of the Year decision? I think it was a tight race, and I think it's very fair that Lamelo took it home. Uh, he had he made that Charlotte team one of the most exciting teams to watch in the NBA. Uh, they truly were uh, just electric. I I think Anthony Edwards is a special talent, and he showed it multiple times this year with fantastic games uh, and just incredible performances. That dunk against uh, Yuta Wanatabi of the Toronto Raptors that'll go down in history. Anthony Edwards might play five years in the NBA and that, that dunk will live on forever. Um, but I think, I think it really came down to a situation kind of like last year with John ja Zion, but it was kind of flipped where LaMelo played less games than Anthony Edwards, but he his team was more successful. And I think that ended up being the real driving force of him winning the trophy, which is completely understandable. And with these two, it's going to be really exciting to see other careers play off and just 
I, they're really fun. They're a lot, a lot of fun. And I, it's hard to argue that Lamella wasn't deserving. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I still think we were right the first time though. I think, uh, when you look at the numbers and especially the efficiency numbers, I think LaMelo has uh, Anthony beat uh, in a lot of those ways, but LaMelo is a point guard. So you would expect some of those numbers to favor LaMelo in that situation. And LaMelo played 20 less games than, than Anthony Edwards. So you'd expect with a, with a smaller sample size that his efficiency stats would be a little bit better. Um, and I, so I think, I think the voters kind of looked at it and said, I, because I think LaMelo will have the better career than Anthony Edwards as we move forward. I think he's just the frame that he's built, the position that he plays, uh, the situation in Charlotte, I think favors LaMelo over Anthony Edwards. But I think Anthony Edwards had the better year, and I think he deserved the award. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see if that fuels Anthony Edwards, because he tweeted something yesterday like that made it seem like he uh, took it as a slight from the voters. So uh, I think we were right the first time. I, like you said, it's tough to argue. They were very close. And even with the 20 games that LaMelo missed, we said it was going to be very close and come down to maybe the last couple of weeks. So um, maybe not surprising, but I still think um, Anthony Edwards maybe got a little bit slighted, but uh, it is what it is. We're not the voters. We don't decide that stuff. So we can only give our opinions. So that's great stuff. We're going to move on to our third topic of the week and a fun topic as well as the Madden 22 cover was announced this week. Both Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes will cover grace the cover this year's edition of the game. And it got us thinking about our favorite sports games of all time uh, and our favorite sports cover athletes of all time. So Dylan, I'll throw it to you. What do you have for us? Broadly speaking, what are your favorite games? What anything? So I listed a few. I, I kind of went with like, I was like, I'm going to pick my favorite game from each of the big sports. I was like, I'll just go with that. Uh, the first one that came to mind was NCAA 14, NCAA football 14 with Denard Robinson on the cover. That might be just my favorite video game ever. Uh, I've played that game nonstop since 2013, uh, doing dynasties, a road to glory, everything in between. Absolutely love that game. It's cherished the last college football game for now. Um, can't wait for it to make its return soon. Uh, I've got NBA 2K15 with Kevin Durant on the cover. Uh, that's that's one of the first 2Ks I started playing. Like, I'd stay up all night in high school playing it with my friends, uh, just going crazy on it. It was a ton of fun. Uh, got a throwback for Madden. Uh, Madden 04 with Mike Vick on the cover. That's that's one of my earliest gaming uh, memories uh, was uh, that early Madden 04 with Vick with just how good he was. And I remember playing it with my dad and uh, friends when I was younger and just, just how much fun it was. Um, and then I've got two for baseball. I've got the bigs. I don't know if you remember the bigs. I had Pujols on the cover. Uh, it always just sticks out in my head. I don't really remember if it was that fun of a game. It was just Albert Pujols was on the cover, and I was like, that's Pujols. That's the man, the machine. I was like, I love it. I remember buying it for that reason. And then the show – I believe it was 2010, uh, Joe Maurer was on the cover. That was one of the first shows I bought. And I just remember staying up all night, playing Road to the Show, trying to get my player up to the Cardinals, uh, go crazy on the show, hit a million home runs, and just have a blast. Um, yeah, going through this list, it brought back a lot of good memories. Brought back a lot of frustration of striking out a million times, missing a million shots, fumbling, everything else. But, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh uh, commemorating about these covers, these games, everything else. What came to mind for you when thinking about this? 
Yeah, it's wild as you went through that list how similar it is to mine. Uh, only a few variations. Uh, NCAA 14 is by far my favorite sports video game of all time. If my Xbox 360 didn't give out on me this year, I'd still be playing it probably right after we got off this podcast. Uh, me and my friends were still doing online dynasties up until like this winter. Uh, I'm going to find another Xbox 360 at some point, a uh, used one, just so I can get back into it because that is my favorite game. Uh, and I'm really excited, as you said, with EA bringing it back out. I'm really excited to see uh, what they go, how that looks, because I, it was my favorite gaming franchise at, from, I think I had NCAA 04 and every game onwards. Uh, and I'm really excited for that to come back because it was way better than Madden, in my opinion. And th- that game still feels better than Madden, the 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 current Madden games are still worse feeling than that NCAA 14 game. Uh, And I think a lot of people are in that same boat that have played that game Uh, for baseball. For me, I didn't get to play the show a lot because I always played Xbox. So back in the day, my favorite baseball game was MVP baseball 2005. And that was an EA sports game. Manny Ramirez was on the cover of that game and it was so much fun. You could make your own stadium. I think that was the thing that stick out, sticks out to me the most. You could actually build your own stadium to giant walls to whatever you wanted in the outfield. I know they brought that back for the show this year, but it was in 2005 that customization was awesome. Uh, and it was just a fun game. Uh, 2K15 was my favorite NBA 2K game too, which is fun. I played 2K for uh, my first one was 2K9 with uh, Kevin Garnett on the cover. But 2K15 was my favorite game. I had so much fun playing that game. I played it with my friends. I played a lot of online, the, the My Team mode. I My My Team was stacked in that game. So I played a ton of that. And it was amazing that, that, that of all the 2Ks that you said 2K15, that, that was uh, amazing. And then for Madden, it's weird. And I don't think a lot of people like it as much as I do. But Madden 07, and it was Sean Alexander on the cover. And that was one of those first years that they had the NCAA link between where you could actually bring your players across and your draft classes from your dynasty into the game. That was so much fun. So you could have the NCAA 07 with Reggie Bush on the cover and then the Madden 07 with Sean Alexander. And it was like you were playing one game kind of because you could play your dynasty, get your draft class over and then play a franchise in that one. Uh, That was my favorite Madden of all time. And uh, I, I really liked I really like those old Madden games. The once it once it got a little bit more animation style rather than the physics style, I think uh, a lot of people jumped off the Madden ship. But sports video games are a big part of my life. A big part of like me growing up and loving sports comes from these sports video games. So I, I love this topic for sure. Uh, a thousand percent. Uh, there, thousands of hours have been spent in my room playing dynasties and franchises, trying to turn the Sacramento Kings into a dynasty however way I could, or the Seattle Mariners trying to win world series. Uh, it, it's just so many great memories. Like NCAA 14. I remember my, it was my junior year of college. We got back from, um, well, Labor Day weekend. That's what it is. The one in early fall. And we went into my buddy's room at our house and it was like eight o'clock. I'm like, let's start a dynasty on NCAA 14. We started like eight o'clock. We looked up at the clock. It was five a.m. and we were just playing, having a time. We're like, "Well, I guess we got our thing." Ended up the rest of the college doing dynasties. It was a blast. 
absolutely love that game. Cannot wait for the next EA Sports college football game in a couple of years. It will be amazing. Yeah, it, just and wrapping that up, the, we played our last NCAA 14 online dynasty, I think wrapped up just this last winter. Uh, and it was it was tough because with, with COVID going on, we couldn't meet up and the, the servers have been down for so long that if you actually wanted to play in your online dynasty against each other, you had to meet up with each other. So we would, we would put each other in separate conferences. And then if we made it to the national championship, that would be the day where we'd all get together and actually play in person. And I, I don't know, there's no better feeling than play. Uh, there's a lot, not, a lot that brings as much excitement as playing sports video games with your friends with a with a crowd watching you that's probably one of the most fun things that has to do with sports video games at video games at period so awesome stuff we're gonna wrap up and move on to this week in sports the nba playoffs are ramping up uh, even though some players are being shut down because uh, there was huge news this week with CP3 being out indefinitely due to the COVID protocols while Kawhi Leonard is out with a knee injury. Uh, I said last week that I thought the Clippers would bring the series back to 2-2, and now it's 3-2 without Kawhi Leonard. Uh, the Suns have moved on without CP3, but obviously looking to see what happens there. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts with the NBA playoffs broadly with the news and the, the NBA playoffs moving forward? So when we sat here last Friday, I wasn't super excited with the second round. I was like, this has been kind of boring. It, it seemed like everything was like just kind of moving along real quickly. All the series were kind of just kind of be uh, like sweeps or gentlemen sweeps. And I was like, this, this isn't the greatest. Like I, I want these long drawn out series. And I don't know if they, they listened to the thoughts in my head. I don't, I don't know if I said it last week on the show, but oh my goodness, the, the second round has ramped up. Uh Every team that was struggling fought right back. The Clippers strung together three straight wins, and they're, they're going for that series win tonight against Utah. And they did it uh, two nights ago without Kawhi because Kawhi went down with a knee injury, which might be worse than initially thought, and hopefully it's not because it, it's hard to imagine uh, this Clipper t- Clippers team going too much further without Kawhi. But, I mean, Paul George showed out against uh, Utah in game five. If he can keep that up. Who knows? They might go uh, to the end. Um, the CP3 situation is very interesting, and I think the best thing for the Suns is for that series to go to seven and keep giving CP3 more days, hopefully to figure out that situation, to figure out the guidelines and everything else to try to get CP3 suited up for the Western Conference Finals. I, I think everybody wants to see uh, Chris Paul out there and playing for the Suns for a chance to go to the finals. I, it's hard to imagine anyone's rooting against Chris Paul from going to the finals after the great career he's had. Uh, I think everybody wants to see him make it and be healthy and uh, so forth. Um, a thing that I had wrote down uh, and in bold was just the 76ers. Um, the, I went to bed, I'll be honest, I went to bed the other night and I was like, okay, the Sixers, they, they, they're going to win. They were up. 24 points with 210 to play in the third quarter. According to ESPN's, uh, their uh, their advanced win percentage uh, thing they do, uh, they had a 99.7% chance to win. That is almost saying they're going to win this game. Don't worry about it. Go ahead, warm up the car, take the kids home, get them in bed. They did not. Trey Young 
and the Hawks and good old Lou Will refused to uh, back down. And all of a sudden, Atlanta's up 3-2, and they get to host game six, and Philly is on the ropes. And I did not see that coming at all with Atlanta being a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm very intrigued by that because I feel like the Hawks are way ahead of schedule with where they should be. It feels like Philly, it should have been like a good old gentleman sweep with Atlanta and they're moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals, but it sure isn't. And um, and then Nets-Bucks game seven is going to be a blast. Uh, this second round has been awesome. I'm hoping tonight we get, we get taken to two more game sevens and we get to just have so much more fun. What have your thoughts been so far with all that's gone on? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Taking you back, taking it back to that 76ers Hawks game. I was covering the Cubs and Mets that night. And when I cover a game, I try to like tune out of everything else that's going on, just kind of focus on the game. And I'm writing my article and I had seen the score at halftime and I was just like, okay, the 76ers are going to be up 3 2. And then I had to stop writing my article because I was like, did it just say the Hawks won? Like, did I just actually see that the Hawks won that game? Uh, that was, yeah, that up there with one of the greatest comebacks, uh, I've been able to see, I didn't actually watch the game, but watching it back is just unbelievable performance by Trey Young specifically. And, you know, that's, uh, one of the things that I love about the NBA is when you've got a guy like Trey Young, who's that good, uh, there's no, really no limit to what he can do. He can bring a team all the way back by himself if he, if he can do it. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that series wraps up and uh, uh, shouting out Ben Simmons. Uh, if Andre Drummond can figure out how to shoot free throws, then you can figure out how to shoot free throws. Uh, the, the, at some point you've got to fix that. I don't understand what it is about NBA players that just can't figure that out. Uh, and the, I, 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 I'm, I understand the people that want the rule changes in the NBA. So the hack of stuff does go away. Cause I know it, it disrupts the flow of those games uh, when you're following Ben Simmons in the second quarter, just to put him on the free throw line. But that's Ben Simmons's fault. It's not the, it's not the Hawks fault. It's not the Hawks fault that Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws and it's actually efficient to put him on the line. So Ben Simmons needs to figure out how to shoot free throws. And I'm really excited to see what this Clippers jazz series could be in a game seven because they I think the Clippers uh, really need Kawhi back if they're going to move forward but Paul George has been awesome and if Paul George is kind of change, flipping the script on some of his playoff woes that he's had in the last few years so that's been a lot of fun to watch and I'm really you know that Suns that Suns situation is just so interesting to watch because I think they're a really good team and I think it would be really fun to watch Devin Booker maybe do it alone in the first couple of games of the Western Conference Finals. But I do think Chris Paul is such an integral part of that team that they're going to need him back if they want any chance to make the finals. And I think that's the team I'm kind of rooting for. Maybe not that I think is going to win, but I, I would love to see CP3 and, and Devin Booker get a ring this year. Uh, CP3, for obvious reasons, he's been in the league for so long, kind of just deserves it to solidify himself as such a good point guard in this league. Uh, and Devin Booker has just kind of been looked down upon uh, as a star. You know, he had that like 80 point game, wh- whatever it was uh, a couple of years ago, but almost didn't make the all-star game this year. And it, I, I think he deserves a, a bit more respect for what he's been able to do in his, in his career. So I, I think I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. So I'm hoping that CP3 can get back, but it's made for some really interesting basketball, like you said, and we're, 
maybe going to get two game sevens. Uh, that Nets Buck series is just interesting in its own right with the revolving door that's in Brooklyn. So we'll hope that, we hope that those guys can get healthy. So because they're really exciting to watch when they're all healthy, but we haven't really seen that this playoffs. So hopefully we can get that for the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, as we wrap up this week in sports, we're going to look forward to the matchups. We're looking for the most. We're looking forward to the most, if I can speak. Uh, lots to choose from, from the NBA to the NHL to the MLB, all the way to the College World Series. Uh, Dylan, what are you looking forward to this weekend and the weeks upcoming? So I'm looking forward to the two game sixes tonight uh, between the Hawks and the Sixers and then uh, the Clippers, Utah, we were just talking about. Um, I'm keeping a big eye on the Cardinals and Braves this weekend. The Braves, Charlie Morton was amazing last night against the Cardinals, throwing seven no-hit innings, um, which I did not expect. I, I thought the Cardinals built a little momentum after beating the Marlins and then went into Atlanta and completely got shut down. So it'll be interesting to see how that series goes. Both those teams need wins badly. Um, and then the College World Series, Tennessee. I'm interested in the whole thing, but my eyes specifically on Tennessee and Virginia on Sunday um, – little more importance to me in that game. Uh, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend and this upcoming week? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I really am excited to see that Jazz Clippers uh, series. I I haven't been really able to watch a full game of that series, and so I'm excited to actually sit down this like tonight and watch game six. I think that's what I'm the most excited for tonight. Uh, tomorrow with Vanderbilt and Arizona playing, that's probably the matchup I'm looking forward to the most this weekend in the College World Series. Uh, like I said in the in the topic with Jake, strength on strength, pitching versus hitting, and we're gonna see which team uh, comes out on top on that, and which brand of baseball uh, prevails in that situation. And then in the NHL, I'm really excited to see what the Islanders do in this series against Tampa Bay. Uh, they've fallen behind two to one, but they've been the team of destiny this uh, postseason. Two upsets in their first two series. Won the first game of the series against the Lightning. It drops two straight, but I'm really excited to see. That's like, I feel like the Islanders are one of the most passionate fan bases in all of sports, uh, even though they're just, they've been bad for so long, but they're always there. And uh, the fact that they're making this run, I'm really excited to see what the Islanders can do. Uh, excited to see all the playoff matchups, though. It's the playoff season for the NHL and the NBA. So it's always got you happy and excited to watch some sports every night. Uh, really excited to get into more of it as we move forward in the weeks upcoming. So good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you again, Dylan, for another great week. That's going to do it for us on the Dylan and Dylan show. And thank you again to Jake for stopping by. You can catch us all on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at underscore TV sports on Facebook, LinkedIn, at tunnel vision sports, and on the web at www.tvsportsmag.com. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. This has been the Dylan and Dylan Show. We are signing off. We will see you again next week.